0: Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, how you doing? I'm doing just fine, and uh, got a co-host with the most is Texas Traveler, Texas T, but not really. <laughs> I am Caleb Patterson, and she is Desiree Fletcher Carruthers of the Other Carruthers, and we are people be real talk and and if you are just happy to be alive through all this craziness. Give us a shout out, give us a comment and uh make a comment to the, the show that we're doing tonight. But until then, my favorite is snickerdoodle, hers is chocolate way for the loss. Uh, <laughs> so let's get this show started. I had to get that out there before she could. Yeah, Nana, nah, Hey, how
1: you doing? You
2: know, all I have to say all I have to say is hashtag chocolate way for the win.
1: <laughs> I, you
2: know, that is it, yeah. my one and only rebuttal.
0: <laughs> All right. But I'll, anyway,
2: I'll anyway, anywho. anywho, anywho, you know, we we had a little hiatus, guys, and we're still we're still working things out, but we uh we haven't lost track of this little friendly rivalry we have over uh, favorite protein flavors. So that hasn't that's gone anywhere. It is still it going. Will not. Uh, you, I mean, it, it probably will. It'll probably be like the Hatfields and the McCoys probably 20 years yes, from now. It will. We'll have grandkids. Who knows what we're going to have going on? And we'll still be talking about uh, Snickerdoodle and Chocolate Way for the win. Because well, that's, we could introduce that's how our we are.
0: while we're doing our little battle
2: we can we can let let's do let's do take a hiatus and uh let's be sure to uh give a very warm welcome wait a very warm welcome I should say to our guest yeah. Kaylin set it up for us who do we have on the show tonight
0: oh we have an amazing guy I've uh, I've been blessed to meet him many times and I just love being around him love his energy love his passion I mean, he and his wife just do uh, amazing things. But one of the things I've seen is the, the behind the scenes. And that's what I always like because, you know, we all can put on a great game face when it's game time. But when, you know, everything seems to be going wrong, you still see people that can stay together and still make sure that the athletes are taken care of. And that's something I hold dear and dear to my heart. And I'm talking about Ryan Irwin, and he just does an amazing job with everything that he's Baby's been able to get his hands on, make sure that the athletes are being addressed. And that I hear it a lot where they say athlete first, but you don't see that as much as it's said. But I do see that with this man and his wife. So, uh, Ryan, introduce yourself, and let's hear about what's been going on pre, post, and everything else, COVID. <laughs> Did we lose? Ryan, I do Ryan, you still there? Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh, he's here. He's here. Hold on. Go ahead. Ron. Can you
1: hear me now? Yeah, we sure <laughs> we can hear you now. Okay, that was weird. Okay, hey, we'll, we'll we'll blame that one on the pandemic. How about that? We can do that, still. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, man, I'm humble. Thank you for that introduction, Kaylin. It's uh, it's been a couple years since I've been on, and uh, it seems like just yesterday. I mean, you guys do a fantastic job. You guys are always out there promoting the sport, getting people on, keeping things hopping and exciting. So I really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you. Well, thank you. Glory to God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's been a bit since I've been on. I'm trying to think where to start, what to do or what to, uh, to talk about but well just start just Go start,
2: ahead. yeah just start a little bit from the beginning and let folks know a little bit about your background and then we want to of course dive into uh, all of the hot things that the NANDF has going on and then you've had some exciting things going on too so we got to touch on all these things at first you know we have new listeners all the time so let them know a little okay. bit about who you are.
1: All right, well I've been in the industry now for gosh thirty years and um you know, I've I've started out as a competitor uh in, in high school and just have been doing it ever since and just I guess progressed through the ranks um for, as a competitor. Um and then as a I got tied in as a promoter and then tied in as an officer, um, and I've been blessed to uh, be the president of the Nambus and the IPE for the last, I don't know, two years or so, um, nice. but I'm still a competitor at heart, um, uh, I, I, I won my pro card back in, oh, way back in 2000, uh, 2009, uh, way back in 2009, it took me 17 years to do it, so I'm pretty proud of that accomplishment, um, uh, and, uh, I've competed, uh, many, many times so i lost lost counts. But uh, I love the sport. Like you said, Kalen, it's just a passion. Um, I also, uh, I'm, a, I'm a coach. Um, I do nutrition and training coaching. I've been doing that full-time full now for about two and a half years. But been doing it on the side for, oh, wow, 15 years plus. Um, and uh, was finally able to make that, make that leap into doing it full-time, which has been amazing. I love it. Um, I live in Iowa. Uh, I put on a couple of contests here in Iowa. I live here with my wife, Mandy, and uh, we live in a uh, suburb of Des Moines. And, uh, yeah, it's just just uh, that's, I guess, the uh, the quick and dirty as far as what I'm doing.
2: All right. Awesome. Appreciate it. So then let's just kind of start with uh, the NANBF, or NAMBF, as we so affectionately call it, and just tell us. <laughs> Tell us what it stands for, who you guys are, and, uh, you know, what athletes can expect from your organization.
1: Certainly, certainly. Well, so, uh, the NABF, I mean, we've been around since the early 90s, so, um, you know, about 30 years. Actually, that's about the same time I got into the sport. I just happened to get involved when it was getting off the ground, and so kind of see it grow and evolve over the years, but... We've always been focused on creating a you know a, a competitive environment for our athletes, a fair environment, obviously, drug testing, and and making it not just a, not just a fair environment, but a fun environment. Um, you know, our competitions, we've really tried to hang our hat on being consistent and, and allowing competitors to have you know the stage time they want, have the experience they want, um, have a, a good organized competition, um, you know. And my goal, one of my goals as as uh, the president, is like somebody goes to a Namib competition, and they get the same experience whether they're in Chicago or Oklahoma City, you know, or Norfolk, Nebraska. You know, it's always the same. So then that way, um, you know, they know what to expect. So we we've, we've been doing that, and then uh, we also uh, the IPE or International Pro Elite. Uh, uh, Federation is our pro affiliate, and you know we're, we run that. And again, you know, catering to the top tier athletes and uh, providing you know pro competitions so those elite competitors can compete against uh, others across the world. And uh, again, just really wanting to put out a good product, uh, consistent product, so competitors can go in there and and know what to expect. Uh, and, again, really just showcase them for all the hard work that they've done.
0: Nice. Nice.
1: Uh, one, of the, one of the things that
0: I've been uh, very fond of is the the criteria and the judging being consistent. I, I noticed that uh, a lot of the fears and, and, and worries is that what might be seen as first place at some of the shows and venues won't be seen the same because the criteria might be the same, but the consistency of the judging is not. How have you guys Mm -hmm. stayed so relevant with that consistency through the years, not just show to show?
1: No, thank you for recognizing that. We work hard at it. Um, You know, I think some of the things that we do that helps that is, uh, first, you know, we've got, we're very uh, very critical of who our judges are. Uh, We've got a database of judges, and um, part of that qualification is they have to continue to be active. You know, they have to judge and, and stay in the sport, so they're so they're relevant, you know? I mean, if you're, you know, you're outside of the sport for too long, you start to get a little foggy, I mean, have the way criteria or categories come and go, I mean, you know, so this judge 10 years ago wouldn't even know how to judge as a few categories now. Um, so yeah. we really... We really keep our, our judges active and keep them sharp. Um, also, you know, we're really we're really focused on consistency. So before every competition, we have a judges meeting, make sure, hey, we're all on the same page. You know, we've, we've got uh, our judging system that we really work hard to perfect and make sure that, you know, scoring goes right. And then I think the other thing is, when somebody wants to judge for us, which we absolutely love to have new people come in, you know, we have a testing process, you know, they have to they have to they have to be a test judge and then they have to score appropriately and that's to judge the amateurs. And then to take another step forward, they have to score certain percentages to so then be a professional judge. So we're really, you know, uh, really try to work our hardest to uphold that because um, you know, that's. I think that's part of the sport. That's. You know, it's, it's not black and white. It's gray. But I think that you can objectively look at criteria and say, okay, these are the things to look for. And then, you know, the consistency from contest to contest gives competitors and coaches, you know, an idea of like, okay, this is what they're looking for. So this is what we can we can prepare you as. Yeah.
2: Awesome. I mean, and that is so important. Um, and it just makes it that much easier for athletes to understand what it is that they need to bring to the stage when they are coming to an NANBF show. So that's, that's I mean, that is super important. And, I you know, I just want to say, you know, 2020 was such a crazy, crazy year, and so many shows mm-hmm. were being canceled left to right. I mean, that pretty much swept through every natural organization that was out there. Um you know so how uh how well did the n a m b f uh weather the storm and you know how are you guys bouncing back this year as far as promoters and number of shows and uh, so on and so forth
1: man I am super super proud of our promoters um our team really stepped up last year um i I don't know this for a fact, but I am like ninety five percent confident. That we probably put on the first competition in the industry across the country. Um, we had our we had our first competition in uh, early June, um, and we had multiple competitions last year. And it was, it, I mean, as we all know, it was it was uh, a challenge, but we were able to to do that and put on a relevant contest in a safe environment. Um, jumping through hoops, you know, doing live streaming, you know, I would emcee an event, it was basically the judges, and I was talking to a camera, you know, all new things uh, in the sport, but, um, yeah, we were able to to do that, and there were were contests we had to cancel, and a lot of times that was due to the local government, just the mandates that were in place, but, you know, we were still able to have uh, a very successful year last year, and I think that, it really helped create some momentum uh, for this year. So couldn't be more proud of that and certain, certainly proud of the athletes. I mean, man, I tell you what, I about every every contest that I was emceeing at, I choked up when I was introducing these, these uh, athletes just because I know what they did to get on stage. I mean, it's hard, yeah. it's hard to compete anyway, but, you know, when your gym's closed, you know, when when food's limited, when everybody else is, you know, going through struggles, I mean, to do that, I mean, wow. I mean, still, it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it today.
0: Yeah, and, and talking about jumping through hoops, I, I got choked up just knowing all that you had to do, and I'm talking about promoters and organizations, just to get those shows going. That, that would really really something when when it, it, it was honestly amazing because there were so many last minute changes that you guys had to go through. I can't imagine the stress level and, you know, and just everything seemed like it's falling apart and still you guys found a way. How do you keep your mentality and how do you keep the organization together as a whole? Because I know there had to be some last-minute hair-pulling-out situations.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I we have a weekly board meeting. and I talk to the officers uh, once a week. We have we have a meeting. I think we had daily meetings last year, and sometimes multiple times a day. Um, you know, and, it, yeah, it was. Um, but, I, again, doing it, doing it for the competitors, and, and I think that, we did it because we wanted to um, not just create an environment for the competitors, but also get their, um, what's the word, uh, not respect, but just they know that we, we're going to be there for them. You know, we're going to be there for them and, and gain their confidence. I suppose that's the word, that, you know, hey, you know what, in these times that the and the FBIP can still make this happen, um, we drew a lot of competitors in from out of state. I mean, we do it anyway, but like from the coasts, because, you know, I mean, like we talked about before this, we got on air. I mean, being in the Midwest, let's be let's be honest, we're a little sheltered from some of the extremes. And so we have yes. people call us from, you know, Washington or California or New York and say, hey, gosh, are you guys sure this is going to happen? I'm like, absolutely. We're going to make it happen. we got to plan A, B, C, D, and E it's gonna happen and so they they come out and and they'd be so so excited and so happy about it so it was awesome
2: that is awesome that is awesome. And, and you know in the in the mbf and the ipe really do span from coast to coast um and if you guys want to know you know where they're having shows we're going to have ryan share the website name with you here in just a second um, and, you know, Ryan, we, we wanted this to be an organization highlight because there are new athletes coming to the sport all the time, and sometimes they end up in an organization just by luck because they know somebody who competes. They're like, hey, you should compete. They're like, great, I'm going to compete. How do I yeah. do this? And so they they refer them to the organization that they're part of. So if you were to describe the NAMBF and ITE, what would you tell someone Um, about what makes you different from other natural organizations that are out there?
1: Oh, man, that's a a great question. That's a hard question to answer because there are a lot of great organizations out there. Um, You know, I I would say that, um, again, probably this consistency. um, You know, we really, really work hard to uh, be – uh, consistent from contest to contest, so like it, they organized, starting on time, doing things like they like you know competitors deserve, knowing what's going to happen, you know payout quickly, you know giving them plenty of stage time, you know, and really just trying to cater to them, um, and I think that's probably the the, the biggest thing. Um, we just really again it, we're here to serve them, you know the the competitor. Is our customer, you know, and so what we want to do is we want to give them what they what they need, what they want, and that's why over the years we've changed things, we've updated things, you know, we ask questions, we listen, you know, we do those things, and just to give a good product, and so there's a lot of options out there, and um, certainly, you know, like a lot of other national federations, we invite other natural pros to come to us to try us out. I think that last year was a perfect example of not having that fairness, but that way competitors could go where they wanted to go.
0: Nice. Uh, one question I'd like to ask, and it's, it's something I know you've uh, talked about before, and this is long before COVID, you know, and but it, things have changed. Like you said, there's new regulations, there's new criteria that you have to adhere to just to, you know, set the venue and get these dates set up and I, I know there's mm-hmm. always something that's going to be costing more and more. How are you doing that and not breaking the least Bank accounts uh, in doing it?
1: You mean as, as, as far as, like, with the different restrictions from location to location, is that what you're asking, Kaylin? Well, yeah,
0: because, I mean, they're, they're charging more. They're charging you guys more for these new uh, regulations and stuff. So they're passing it on to you. But I noticed that you're not passing it on to the athletes. I'm a, little, I'm a little astonished by that and how you were able to do that.
1: Yeah, no, it, it definitely. Um, you know, we every promoter, you know, took a hit last year. I mean, just you don't have as many uh, compet or uh, spectators in the seats. Um, you mm-hmm. know, you the, the venues are still expensive. Um, you know, I mean, hotels are still expensive and. I mean, so yeah, there's there's all of that, and I mean, we really try to, uh, you know, allow competitions are expensive for the competitor, you know, and so, you know, we don't want to make it undue for them to compete, and you know, the the cost that a competitor incurs when they compete, yes, it's 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 revenue that comes to the promoter, but it's not a it's not an income producing thing. I mean that. Honestly, a competitor's fees don't even cover the expenses for a competitor. But, you know, it's, it's our responsibility to get uh, sponsors, you know, get sponsors and and get mm-hmm. people to, to watch and get spectators. I mean, that's, that's, that's where that, that revenue needs to come from. And so, you know, again, last year, those promoters that were able to make things happen, you know, they've been – established so they could take a hit if they had to just for again the competitors to have that option an opportunity to you know compete
2: yeah i mean that's why i think that's a misconception out there that athletes think that because competing is expensive it just is the whole process but that promoters are you know, raking in all these dollars, and they're really not, because the vast majority of all the money that comes in gets pumped back into the show itself and into the athlete experience. So, it, you know, it doesn't hurt to remind folks that this is this is not a lucrative business where people are getting rich.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> promoting shows—that is no, not it. No, it's like it's it's one of those things where like you don't want to log your hours that you put in and anything that's left over and what, oh what's that, what that per hour rate comes top 15. <laughs> I would be like, oh, why know. am I doing this? It's not for that for sure.
2: <laughs> it would be pennies on the dollar. So I promised that you would share where people can find out more information about the NNBF and IPE and related shows. So where should they go to find details?
1: Yeah, no, thank you. So uh, the NABF website is N-A-N-B-F.net, uh and you'll find everything on there. And then you'll also find links to the IPE site, uh, but the IPE website is ipeproelite.com. So those are the two, the two websites that we've got there.
2: All right, so NANBF.net and IPEproelite.com. Folks, write that down. Go check them out. Do your research because you're going to find shows, dates, criteria for judging, um, registration information, drug testing information, all of that kind of stuff. They're going to have that out there. So be sure Mm -hmm. to check those sites out. Now, I know if they go to the NANBF, they are going to find a couple of shows that you promote. So talk to us about the shows that you've been putting on, because I know you've got one of the longest-running uh, shows in the Midwest.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. We, uh, we do. It's, um, you know I was actually very fortunate. So like I mentioned before, I started competing about the time the NAMPF and really natural bodybuilding was getting started. Um, and so the the founder, uh, Scott Dickerson, actually lives in Iowa, and uh, he took me under his wing and mentored me, and um, I ended up, uh, long story short, I ended up taking that contest over, which is the Natural Iowa, and that's been in Des Moines, um, and I think this year will be our 28th year, I believe, something like that. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it's been around for a while. And so, again, um, I, I like to think we've got a pretty good reputation on that one. Um, and then w- I do put on another contest in the fall. Um, it's, there was one in Cedar Rapids for years uh, that myself and Al Stile used to co-promote. And then Al retired. Love Al. He's a great guy. Um, but he retired. And so we are trying to decide if we are going to do it again. And last year, due to the pandemic, we uh, postponed the Iowa contest uh, uh, until August, and we moved it to Cedar Falls uh, because they had less restrictions than Des Moines. Well, we found an amazing venue there, um, and people loved it, competitors loved it. So uh, we have a lot of demand to come back there, so we're going to bring back another fall contest in Iowa, which is the the Midwest Muscle Fest, and that's actually on September 11th.
2: Uh, I uh, like your name. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, the name rocks. Now, when you used to, your Cedar Rapids show back in the day, it was never a pro qualifier. It was always kind of like, this is a, it's a great show for new people um, to get experience in competing or as a warm up for other shows. So is the Midwest Muscle I'm already forgetting the end of the name, but you're going to remind us. Is that show also a pro-qualifier, or is it still kind of the same format
1: as its previous version? Yeah, no, it is. It's, so it is a pro-qualifier, and, you know, I think that that's one thing that, you know, you asked earlier, Desiree, like what makes us different as an organization. And I'm not saying different, but this is one of the things that we do, is, you know, we have a minimum as far as pro-qualifying classes. So a, an open class, has to have at least five competitors in it to be a pro qualifier and so you know across the across the federation you know any competition now that has that criteria meets that criteria will be able to offer a pro card now we don't we don't shortchange that you know we want to uphold the the integrity of that pro card so there's less than five then that it is what it is but I think that's one thing that we try to do is we, don't, we try not to saturate the market. I mean, we are very picky about, you know, you won't see a bunch of competitions in one state usually. I mean, we try to spread it out geographically and also um, on the calendar. So that way competitors can, they don't have to choose. They can go to one and, and they're, they're, you have that critical mass. So I think that's one of the things that we really try to do. So then that way, again, going back to the Midwest Muscle Fest, we want to have a good contest, and we want to have, you know, more than just, you know, a person on stage. We want to have, let them get in there and be able to compete with others.
0: Yeah, I, I don't mind that at all. I've been like that. I, I love the name, brother. I'm loving it a lot. Thank uh, I think we'll stop you. in it with uh, Midwest uh, for ourselves. Uh, one of the things that I do love is that, you know, when you do put on the show, it, it is truly for the athletes, and with them in mind. Also, when you're bringing your heart into it, that makes a difference as well. And uh, I, I love the atmosphere you guys create, just with the meeting, the morning meeting that you do. You know, I, it's been some years, but I can always remember each time I showed up. That morning meeting was special because you wanted to make sure that there was no question that was left for after the show, and that's very important because Des and I, have been the many shows where it's just that one little thing that could have been addressed and it would have made some athletes basically dream come true as far as representation of themselves, uh, the people that support them, and the people that are there to see them in the audience. And I know that will be changing, you know, more and more attendance. So how did you set that foundation? And I'm so thankful that you've been able to stick with that for, for the duration of your career.
1: Um, so I, I, I think, we, so, so I want to make sure I have the question right, Kaylin. So you're asking, like, how have things changed over the years as far as, like, the logistics and the flow of the competition to help cater to the athlete? Is that what you're asking?
0: Yeah, and, but it's set off a foundation that the athlete will be addressed prior to being on the stage as compared mm-hmm. to finding out later when they get off and then it's too late.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I tell you what, there is so much noise in the world today. I mean, between emails and social media and text and and blah, 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 blah. And so as a promoter, it's a challenge because we have to sift through all that noise to make sure that they have all the information they need. Um, You know, what I have found out that, people don't read emails much anymore yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah. and yeah. this isn't news for most of us but you know so as a promoter that's one of the vehicles we use to make sure that competitors get the information they need before the contest you know and so we again having a pivot it's like okay now we're you know testing things we're putting things out on social media you know we're even going old school and calling people I mean holy cow who does that anymore um, hey, I know. You, but you've you got to do what you've got to do to make sure that they, they get the information they need. Because one of my things I want to do is I, I try to make check-in as simple as possible, no surprises. I, that's, that's the biggest thing. I don't want any surprises, very transparent, you know, so then that way, you know, the competitor can relax because they're stressed out, they're depleted, you know, they just want to make it as easy as possible. So the things I can do to put them at ease, we're going to do. You know, we're going to try to do our best we can. We're not perfect. We never, we never are. But, you know, anything we can do in year after year, it's like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, yep, that's a good thing. And we just keep adding to the, adding to the toolbox and, and helping it make it run smoother and smoother each year.
2: Yeah, that's
1: awesome. I mean,
2: and it's it's definitely appreciated. There, there, there's one thing though um, in a prior comment that I want to bounce back to, and that is how your pro cards are
1: earned. And so,
2: I just want to say that I I really appreciate the process of the NAMBF and that you know you do have to have specific minimums in order for a class to be a pro qualifier. And then you have the overall. Now, there are some that might feel like, you know what, it's an added layer, it's overkill. If you should win your class, then, you know, you should just get your pro card. But, you know, the fact that you have to win your class and then win the overall, I mean, when you do that, there is just definitely no doubt that you're walking away with the pro card that you earned. Because, you know, you've got those two steps and it's not just... You know, I show up and I, I I might get a pro card even if I'm the only one there because sometimes I think when it becomes um, too simplified to earn a pro card, we're kind of doing the athlete a disservice because right. they – may not necessarily be ready to jump up to the pros, but they do because that's the natural next step, and then they are just blown away because Mm -hmm. they weren't quite ready for that level just yet.
1: Yeah, And yeah. so, I
2: mean, some there are some amateurs that they win their pro card off the bat, and they are pro-ready. Their physiques are yeah. just that phenomenal. But for many, it's, it's like a journey. And you don't want them to become disillusioned so that they never compete again on the pro stage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well said. I think that I've seen both sides of it. You know, I mean, I've seen – people, it's like, hey, they win. I'm like, okay, there's a pro contest next week and you need to enter it. <laughs> and then there's some people, it's like, yeah, you know what, uh, just take some – just keep building, you know, re, you can still re-qualify, you don't have to take that pro card, um, but yeah, you want to set them up for success. And there's there's all different reasons to, that people compete. I mean, some people compete because, you know, they, they, they want that pro card. That's their – that's the carrot at the end of the stick. For some, it's just yeah. uh, it's just a bucket list thing, and you know what? Both are fantastic reasons, and it's also um, one of the reasons why we started the transformation category. And I guess that's something that's new this year. And it's I had a transformation category uh, competition in my contest, and it was phenomenal. I mean, just to, these are people that aren't going to step on stage, not yet anyway in like a bikini or a or men's bodybuilder stuff, but they've done fantastic things to make a transformation. And we wanted to give them mm-hmm. an avenue that they could compete and tell their story. And, again, I get emotional when I'm up on stage and I'm, I'm reading these, these, these essays and this transformation. It's just, a, it's just it's amazing. And then, you know, every person in the audience is just like, wow i I can do this. uh what excuse do I have i mean and and so again it's it's just a way to broaden the reach and and help people give them that opportunity to to compete and,
0: and it really does uh one of the things that i enjoy i truly enjoy is that transformation because one it's a breath of fresh air, and two, it's a time of reflection for everyone in attendance and and it's a goal that everyone can be, because I I know that's what separates uh, the the DACA community from the enhanced is that we've all got a backstory of, uh, that can be made into a success story if we just hold on and and see it out. And I, I've, I've enjoyed, uh, being witness to it. I enjoy doing the interviews when you talk to people and get the backstory behind it, but I also enjoy the people that get to hear a real life testimony that they can do as well because our health could be paramount and, and we should be more concerned with uh, how we're living our lives because some of us find out, you know, later on, sometimes too late, we're not living at all. We've basically just been basically getting by and our health is at risk and it's, it's a daily thing. And especially during COVID, I was really surprised that we didn't push the, the national platform a little bit harder so people could understand there is another option. Aside from just drugs and and all this other stuff that's being pushed, good health is is, is a great drug to take. And I love taking that drug daily if we're going to put it up as far as calling it a drug when you talk about your own health and the safety of it. So when you have that transformation, how can you correlate that with, you know, seeking out better health and actually promote it to a point where people can hear hear what's being said because, I mean, like I said, with 2020, that should have been an eye-opener for many more people about their health and their welfare and for us to already have an avenue being the transformation division in natural bodybuilding, to actually speak upon it and show the benefits that do come, you know, the lower insulin, basically getting away from insulin for, for diabetes, the lower risk mm-hmm. of answer, you know, by taking uh, better food, better health choice, better food choices, that all of these things do play a part in our daily lives. And it we can shine it on stage so much better because now we have that platform. So with the transformation and what you've been learning, and like you said, when you're hearing all the things and nuances that can help create and enhance. And I I regrettably use that word and I apologize uh, uh, to promote uh, better health and welfare for the masses, not just for the people that compete.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that I try to do in my competitions is I try to capture the moment. Um, and so, a lot of times, what I'll do is I'll actually uh, I'll interview my the the winners and, and get a little bit more of their story. And so, uh, I try to capture that and then and then put it out there along with like tell their story and their pictures and stuff. And so I put that on my website and so then I can send it out there. And so then that way it's, it's, it's evergreen and people can read it, um, you know, and, and the magical Google search engines can find it and, you know, people can say, now oh, I want to make a transformation. And they just they click on that and they hopefully can see it and, and see, oh, wow, this is this is real, this is realistic, this is doable, um, and, and and those and those my goal those people that get on stage of transformation again, they're, I want to make them comfortable. I want them to feel proud. You know, we're not up there, you know, putting them on display in the in a way that they're uncomfortable. They're they're proud they, and they and they know it. And so that's that's what it's all about. And again, the you know, utilizing uh, technology the best we can to help that help help spread that word. I mean, that's 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 the goal.
2: Awesome, awesome, and you know, I'm glad to see that transformation is is making its way into even more organizations, and I hope it just becomes a staple across just you know any kind of natty stage that you step on. That they're opening that door for that opportunity for people who are just looking to make changes in their health for the better, and then if they go to grow into um, you know a bodybuilding competitor from there, that's fantastic. But just the fact that they're, you know, living their testimony and sharing that with others and have a platform to, to uh, tell that story is great. Um, and speaking of stories, one of the other many, many hats that you wear um, now is an author. I understand that you have written and published a book within the last year or so.
1: I did, yeah. No, thanks, Desiree. I did. That was that was definitely something I'm proud of. Um, it, it is a it was a work uh, that took a long time. Um, I spent oh gosh, I forget how many years writing it. Um, and basically, the premise of it, the the title of the book is "Everyday Counts," and I use that as my tagline. And the the meaning behind it is that every day does count, no matter what your goals are, what you're working towards, every day you want to put your best foot forward and go to bed at the end of it and say, yep, that day counted. And so when I wrote this book, um, I started by telling my story. And I started, you know, as a child, and um, I mean, I, I won't rehash it all because it's in the book, but basically starting out in a not, a, not an awesome spot. And then the struggles I had throughout life and how I overcame those and I and those failures that I had. I mean, the mistakes I made and how I used those to grow, and and then you know get me to where I am now. And then then the book goes in deeper and, and it's the takeaways that that I've used over the years that I found that helped me through that and, and how I learned. And so the book's more about um, yes, there's some nutrition, yes, there's some training, but it's more about habits. It's more about lifestyles. It's more about you know, setting yourself up for success. And, and that, I think, is as a coach, if I see somebody that's got those characteristics, they're going to do awesome. They're going to do awesome. I can, I can give somebody the best nutrition plan in the books, the best training program, but if they don't have that inner hood stuff, they're going to struggle. And that's what that book is really focused on, and I felt like I just needed to write it and get it out there uh, for others to read. And that, that works
0: pretty good. Uh, being a coach, I'm going to jump on that one because this is something that I'm seeing. I, I saw it back in the day, but I'm seeing it more and more and much more often, is that pressure to get that pro card the first time they compete. And a lot of people's mindsets are stuck in the gym atmosphere, and I think that's one of the worst things we can ever do because I, I remember playing overseas, in basketball and one of the things I noticed that everybody was just as good as me and, and basically if I didn't cut my own rug then I was gonna have a, a hard way or a short, short trip on a professional team and being sent back home so when when you have that mind that that's a make-or-break moment and how do you keep the, the athlete from falling apart when it seems like there's so much uh, sometimes selfish, self-prescribed pressure and then the pressure from the people in the gym that think it's just an easy walk in the park to start working out, do a prep, and then get on stage.
1: I think I'm it's, it's a, a big about setting expectations. And when I, when I speak at seminars and, and, and such, I, always, I say, I'm like, I feel sorry for competitors that win their pro card right out of their game. Um, they, they oftentimes don't know enough to really enjoy it and take it in for what it is. And so I think that, you know, I mean, my goal for my, my competitors is always to get up on stage and feel the absolute best they can with the package they're bringing. And then every time they compete, thereafter are to beat the prior version of themselves. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to do this sport for any length of time, yeah, you want to do good, but you want to have that as your core mindset, because otherwise, um, you know you're going to get upset, you're going to get frustrated. And yeah, it sucks to not win when maybe you think you should. But it sucks even more if you think that's the only way you're going to win. I mean, if you think that bringing in right. the best package ever is not a, a win, then you're not going to last in the sport. Wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, just so many, so many things to consider. And you know, a lot of people do get washed out of the sport, which which really is unfortunate. Um, in, you know this this next thought has nothing to do with nothing but, or it has everything to do with everything but the women's bodybuilding category we need to breathe some life back into that bad boy how do we do that
1: Brian uh, from your
2: perspective what needs yeah. to happen
1: it's tough I mean so there's a couple things uh, well there's one and a couple things but two things that come to mind right off the top of my head one is to offer it Offer it, and like I will go back and, and my my uh, competitors like nice. if I, even if I even if I didn't have somebody in it the prior year, I still have like an old uh, my prior year champion. I will put them on the poster. It's on the it's on the entry sheet. Uh, so offer it, um, and I think the other thing is you know as judges, and this is hard. It's hard to do, but you know um, when you're judging, you know have to judge the categories appropriately. And we were down in St. Louis a few, uh, three weeks ago, and there were two two very good classes. There was a women's bodybuilding class and a women's physique class. And the competitors in each class were pretty much the same competitors that competed in both categories. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the the top two, one gal had a little bit more muscle. She was a little thicker, great symmetry, um, you know, had some good size, uh, she won the women's bodybuilding, and rightly so. And then in women's physique, those same two competitors with the others were going head to head, and the other gal was a little longer, um, a little leaner, you know, and uh, got the win. And and again, rightly yep. so, there is a difference between women's physique and women's bodybuilding. It's subtle, but yes. that's natural body- That's natural bodybuilding. You know, when you've got when you're not pumping drugs to your system, it's not going to be huge differences between the categories. And so, as judges, we have to really make sure that you know we say, okay, this is a bodybuilder, this is a physique, and we deal with the same thing for guys. You know, this is men's physique, this is men's bodybuilding, this is classic, and that's just it's the nature of the sport. Yes,
0: hundred
1: percent. You make
0: it that excited?
1: You
2: are making me (laughs) excited because that is one of my areas that just gives me angst when you see athletes crossing over into different categories and winning both. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I mean, and I understand sometimes the other athletes on the stage, they just didn't bring the package that brought them close enough to be, you know, a contender. So Mm -hmm. you have to award who is ever closest to the criteria at that point, even if they maybe, you know, would be better served in a different category. But when mm-hmm. but when it's close, <laughs> but when it's close and you've got two people neck and neck, like the gals you were just describing, but one fits one category better than the other, you know, you have to be able to see those nuances to judge appropriately because nothing mm-hmm. just... Triggers me more than to see an athlete win a bikini and figure when yeah. it didn't necessarily need to go that way.
1: Right. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. ha it, it happens. It happens. <laughs> I mean, like you said. I mean, sometimes. I mean, the best competitor on that on that stage is the same person in both classes or both categories, not it it does happen. Yep. But um, you know, I know that um, I'll, I'll put a plug out there for Amanda Essling. She's uh, she's now promoting the of the Quash IPE and the NABS Clash Titans. She is a huge proponent of women's bodybuilding, so she is doing everything she can to uh, to cater to women's bodybuilding. So for all you women bodybuilders out there, October 16th in Minnesota, you need to be there. That's your there's your that's your contest. You will take good. For you, I promise.
2: All right, you guys got that. Make notes. No, let's see. Ya. Let's see. We need to get on the show, Kalen. We need to keep talking about this women's bodybuilding thing.
0: Yes, I. I mean, like, uh, I, 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 being old school, it it just hurts when you get to the show, and the and the reason this whole thing even exists is, is bodybuilding, and, and and not have that represented on the women's side, it's, it it's, it's it's touching not in a good way. And, and I like how how Ryan said you just got to put it out there. And I I think that's one of the things that's going on because I know the enhanced community wanted to get away from it because they were losing so many athletes to either, uh, the side effects of the drugs or the enhancement, but we just didn't have that, that fear. And for some reason it still permeated itself into the, the natural environment. A strong woman is a strong woman. And I, I mean, I'm, Actually, with health and wellness, I love muscles on people because I know that there's work that has to go at it, especially in the natural community. And to have female bodybuilding and have male bodybuilding and and have male bodybuilders and female bodybuilders looking like the criteria is being asked, that's a special thing for me because then I said, "This this is what it's about because, you know, health... It, it, it's a beautiful thing, and, and as long as we shy away from the stronger points of it. I, I know there's uh, a group of males that are, are kind of drawn away from that, but that has nothing to do with the sport itself. So that's on them, and, and, and if they want to think that way, then God bless them because they have the every right to think that. But that shouldn't demean the sport in any way, shape, or fashion.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think one of the things we try to do is we try to we try to encourage competitors to do different categories. You know, give it a shot, see where you fit. You know, and um, mm-hmm. you know we'll talk to them and say, look, you've got. That's the hard thing. If you see a competitor who has a fantastic physique they're just in the wrong category, and it's just like, boy, yes. you need you oh. need to go in, in this category. And you know that going back to women's bodybuilding, it's like, you know what, you need to be a women's bodybuilder, that's just where you fit the best. So. Yeah, it's, it's uh, again. That's one of the reasons why we allow crossovers is so people can experiment. You know, they don't have to uh, do multiple competitions. They can do, you know, three categories in the same contest, and they can say, oh, yeah, I'm a women's bodybuilder. Oh, I'm a class. Uh, you know, and that way they can figure it out for the next time. I so,
2: I mean, and I am I am totally cool with that, and I think that is. Great for the athlete to be able to do that. More of my earlier comments. The owners just. And again, having judged, I understand sometimes the physiques that are on stage, you know, some of them are just not close enough to give that forerunner, you know, a challenge. Even though maybe she should have been bigger instead of bikini or vice versa, all of that stuff. So I get that.
1: Yeah, I get yeah. that.
2: But when when you have when you have two people on stage and one is more figure and one is bikini and the bikini competitor is strong even though the gal who's closer to figure has a banging physique she should be figure and you know the judges and I'm and this is on me too judges just need to be able to discern those nuances and 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 make sure that they're helping these athletes understand where their physiques are best fitted so Yep. All right, I'm done. Yep. I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> I am done with that. I am done with that. Well, Ryan, it has been fantastic having you on the show and learning about the NAN and the F and IPE and about your shows and your books. So just what you're doing. You're definitely a shining star in the we, we are just
1: athletes out there. <laughs> Thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. It's, it's always great to get on here and talk to you guys. You guys do an amazing job. I really appreciate it. All
2: right. Gloria. So before we go, though, last thoughts on tonight. Ryan, what do you want to share? Uh,
1: you know, just a uh, half-thought about competitors. You know, I mean, something I've noticed this year is uh, people want to compete. You know, at the beginning of the season, you know, contests were run under 60% of their prior capacity. But every month it gets larger and larger. And so I think that even by this fall, we'll be close to 100% of of what our normal numbers are. So people are, you know, getting back out on stage, which is awesome, you know. And I'm super excited for next year because, um, you know, even those people that, you know, last year weren't able to train have been training all year. So I think 2022 is going to be off the hook. Um, And so, I would invite them all to come out to uh, their NAMBO uh, or IP competition, love to have them, they're welcome, Um, and certainly they can always reach me. I'm happy to answer any questions uh, in any way possible. All right, awesome, so you can look for Ryan Irwin on Facebook. Are you also on Instagram, Ryan? Oh, yeah, I'm on all that. I mean, you can go to my website, um, uh, .com, uh and that's the link to my, my competitions. But you can find me on Facebook, wherever. Uh, if they're interested in my book, you can find that on Amazon. So there's, but I, I'm hopefully very easy to find. That's one of my goals.
0: <laughs> and you do respond back.
1: Thank
0: you. Now, now, Ryan. Before before we get out of here, I, there's one thing that I, I've always appreciated about you is, is your openness to not not really giving cliched or, or cookie cutter answers. You basically identify what the athlete needs to do to make it to that next level. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know i told you in person, but I, I I like to remind you just in case that that's forgotten. Because I know in, this sport can only grow if we go in a truthful manner and basically giving cliched responses and basically the, uh, the open-ended response that basically doesn't help the athlete in any fashion. It, it uh-huh. needs to go away. I know you're a proponent of that. So when when you're doing that and you have a coach that's basically blowing smoke, how do you give that response without basically attacking the coach uh,
1: oh, that's a good question. You know, we re- that's one thing we try to do is we try to have interaction with the judges and the, and the competitors and, and provide an opportunity to do that. And so in that environment, you know, I mean, I, I think that there's a very definitive role of, of ju- judge and coach. And so as a judge, our job is not to tell the athlete how to get there. Our, judge, our job is to tell the athlete what they need to, to bring to the stage, and then they can go back to their coach and figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes it's, 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 there's some big work to do, you know. Um, oh, yeah. You, know, oh, yes. you know, I mean, it's, it is what it is. And we don't even know usually what they did to get there. And so, you know, if, if somebody needs to, to lean up, You know, it's not our job to say, you need to diet more. Well, maybe not. Maybe they they take two years off, do a reverse diet, build more muscle, and then come back, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, or if they've got, you know, missing body parts, you know. It's like, okay, hey, you know what, you need to build up your legs. Oh, well, maybe you should just do another category. That's up to you and your coach. But, I mean, those Mm -hmm. are things that objectively we need to do and to tell the story. And it's, I mean, we're not here to, to break anybody's uh, uh, ego. Um, and, and mm-hmm. all, all competitors have some fantastic uh, positive things, and we want to share that, but yeah. we also want to do constructive things too. Um, and so that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the dance, and that's what we really try to do, and that's, again, going back to our judges, where we make sure that we're helping them with that process too.
0: Yeah, but, but what I'm referring to is that, that fine line you have to walk because some coaches really aren't coaches and they're just uh, basically pumping them up and saying, you know, the judges didn't know what the heck it's political and all this other stuff. And, you know, you've been in the sport long enough where, you know, mm-hmm. you, like you said, you can look at where, you know, stuff needs to improve and, and sometimes yeah. it's glaringly so, but, you know, the, you don't, you you still don't want to destroy the athlete who basically trusted a coach that wasn't trustworthy. And that, that's a fine line to walk. And I've watched you do it time and time again, because I would have responded much differently and thank God I wasn't there to do so uh, because I didn't think about those things until much later in the, in the sport and much later in the game of competition. I just wanted to give them an honest answer, but, I, I didn't take into the the fact of the athlete trust and hope being destroyed because they had someone that basically just took their money and, and threw them on stage.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, again, I don't think that's our role. I mean, if I mean, if you know, if 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 they've got a nightmare of a of a, a prep, you know, they've done everything they could wrong. I mean, they, I hope that somebody takes them alongside and says, let me show you what I did, or something of that nature. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, again, with social media, I mean, back when I started competing, it was all magazines. That's all we had. Um, exactly. You know, everybody puts out their highlight reel. And so I do the same thing. I put my best pictures out there. I mean, who doesn't, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so, exactly. you know, then you then you get a lot of armchair quarterbacks, and then that can put some false ideas into the competitors. So. Um, unless somebody was at the competition, saw the whole class, saw the, all the comparisons, and even at that point, they might not know what to look for. Um, you know, it, you, you can't just base it off of, off of one individual picture in comparison. and comparison. Exactly. There you um, go. I, I think that's where it comes down to. And then, again, going back to the judge, it's our job to be able to explain why they placed what they did and what they need to do to
0: improve. And there you go. Uh, well said, my brother. Uh, any shout-outs you want to give before we end the show?
1: Um, you know, I I just uh, shout-out to my team. Shout-out to all the the, the the board and the promoters of the NABF and the IPE. They're super, super hard, super proud of them. Um, I just love this team. And so shout-out to all of them. Um, shout-out to the competitors. And uh, I've, I've seen a lot of Cool, amazing people to share so far. I can't wait to see more, more, more of you uh, as the year progresses. And so, uh, no, thanks to you guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on.
0: No, it's, it's always a joy, brother, because I know we're getting open and honest answers, and that's much appreciated, especially with social media uh, basically being sometimes not so honest and truthful. So I, I'm thankful <laughs> for that opportunity to actually get it out there and get the truth out there and then people can actually have a better decision to make off the information that's correct. So much love, my brother. Always good talking to you. Uh, Bredez, myself, and Midwest Muscle, people, P-Real Talk. Thanks again, Ryan. We are out.